no underdog and never talk about who's gonna stop me. Oh, ain't nobody gonna stop me. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 148 for June 7th, 2016. Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's about to celebrate 10 years of broadcasting Linux goodness. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello, Wes. Episode 148 stacks up against the Giants as a big show. Yes, it does. Mostly just because I've got a little NyQuil on the brain, I've got nothing but last 10th anniversary in my head, and... I'm ready to go on vacation. Yes! (laughs) You deserve it. But before 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 I declare all of that... Uh, I should tell you a little bit about what we're talking about today. So, one of the things that's been coming up since our show on Sunday is what happened with OwnCloud, and what can open source learn from this development? What can we do differently next time? And what's kind of between the lines when you read carefully? We'll discuss that. Then, also, we've got a plethora of our favorite open source project updates. We've got a whole bunch of project updates to go through. There is some major new open source code cranking out from little-known projects to big-known projects that are all great for the Linux desktop. We're going to tell you about those in today's show as well. And then later on, later on, I can't help it, Wes. I've been slipping back into Google hard. Ooh, dangerous. Ooh, we're going to talk about how I just simply can't quit Google. And... I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that from a wider context. We're going to talk about some of the cool things that are coming out soon that work under Linux that, uh, as somebody who's from time to time just quit Google cold turkey and then kind of come back and try them in different ways, uh, as a Linux user that is trying to replace certain holes in what you might call the Linux ecosystem, where I find Google's offering sort of plug in really well there, I keep finding myself going back. I keep going back. I want to talk about that a little bit because... Honestly, I started thinking about this from the context of the 10th anniversary of the Linux Action Show, which is honestly just really what's all in my mind because it's a, we've been doing a lot of work on this. And one thing that one trend that I keep coming back to is when there's proprietary services that are bundled together in a way where they're functional under the Linux desktop. I tend to allow that compromise to happen. And I say, ah, it doesn't need to be completely open source. It doesn't need to be completely free software. And even, you know, looking back, I I keep making this same mistake over and over again. Um, But I don't want to beat up on myself or anyone else who's doing it. I just want to talk about that dynamic that exists for Linux users and uh, sort of look back on that. Yeah. So we'll talk about all of that. But before we get into anything, we got to bring in that mumble room. Ooh. Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. Hello. 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 Hello, What a cheerful bunch. Hello. Hello. So I'm glad you guys uh, are here today because you can help me with some of this stuff. I want to get into some of our uh, first topics of the day. And it comes it comes fully equipped with a uh, pretty awesome video with a good beat. So if you're a video watcher, this is a treat for you. This is the new GNOME control panel with a hardcore new design and hardcore music. This is uh, being worked on right now. How would you describe this, Wes? Hmm. Like a total le- relayout of yeah, the way. Yeah, it's like a relayout, new like UI flow, new workflow to yeah. find things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I could give you an example of what it looks like. It reminds me a lot, and I don't mean this in a bad way either. It reminds me a lot of the mole of the old Apple Macintosh System Look Six control panel. Um, and I actually think it was a pretty good design. You have a left-hand column of all of the major categories that you want to edit. And in the right-hand column, it's all of the settings specific to that particular thing. Mm-hmm. And it flows well. I, I actually always found it to be a really easy way to dig through. It could get a little long, but uh, yeah. It's, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think really Gnome's doing something groundbreaking here so much as they're just taking what seemed like a concept that was based off of Mac OS X's right. yeah, system exactly. preferences. Yep. And now we're just ba- basing it off Mac OS 6. You know Way what? Better. They got that wrong. Uh, they had it right the first time. Well, Retro is always better, right? Retro is exactly. always better. It, it is nice to see them playing around. <laughs> like clearly, they're they're not interested in just being done. You know, they want they want to make it better. Maybe there's clearly there's problems they don't think are addressed perfectly with the the current 
yeah, I setting, so mm-hmm. we'll see if it's better. I, I'm i looking forward to seeing the update land. Uh, speaking of making GTK look good, I don't ever really cover new themes anymore or big theme updates, but this one's just gorgeous. Uh, the arc theme, which I think is just great, uh, is getting a full-on GTK theme and icons, the whole shenanigans. And uh, surprisingly, a lot of people wrote in to tell us about this. And I love the arc theme. And I love that they're now getting repos set up. It's up on GitHub. There's devs available. Of course, I think it's in the AUR. Yeah, just make it even easier to get it everywhere. And if you look at this, check this out. If you click this little thing here, you see what you go. See where it goes to. Wait for it. Wait for it to load. The OpenSUSE software. Look, yeah, look at software.opensuse.org, and you get links here for Debian, Fedora, OpenSUSE, and Ubuntu, which is pretty cool. And uh, Mr. Brown, didn't I see in the news headlines today that the uh, build service got an update of uh, rather rather nice feature, something to do with uh, being able to link to external data sources or something. I just saw the headline, but it looked like a nice update to the build service. Yep, 2.7. Uh, the, yeah, the big headline thing is, like, we've always had support for linking into to Git repos. Now it's it's leaner, faster, nice. like, continuous building. You do a Git commit, there's your package. Brand spanking Oh, new. that sounds very helpful. Mm-hmm. That is cool. We're actually using that, that now for OpenQA. So every time we commit something to OpenQA... Bang, package gets spat out the build service, and then we just run zip it up on our production systems whenever we feel like it. So when they say it works better with external data sources, they mean GitHub? Is that what that headline was referring to? Any Git repo. But yeah, I mean, Git, I mean oh, GitHub, yeah, yeah, already yeah. Have, GitHub already have enablements for, for things like triggering, so you can have like GitHub triggering based on that, but it's yeah, all leaner, smoother in 2.7. Pretty cool. I'm glad to hear that's uh, continuing on, um, and it looks like being used to some some effectiveness. Do you think, Richard? Do you think that that's a better solution than something like uh, App Image or Flatpak? You think the I, two co- coexist? I th- I think they they coexist and they cater for different markets. Like for me, App Image and uh, Flatpak and stuff kind of really go for the. Well, to stick with OpenSUSE terms, like your typical leap user, like you don't want to move the whole OS. I just want this one thing right. faster, newer. Th- that's where Flatpak's going to be awesome. In a in a rolling distro like Tumbleweed, Flatpak's just a bunch of burden for no benefit, and that's where like OBS is really amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I should mention before we go any further that we will we will be sticking to tradition. And we are drinking a beer with this episode. Yes, I, I should have mentioned, Wes brought in Knee Deep Brewing Company. Uh, a couple, I got the uh, Citra Extra Pale Ale here. And what do you have there, Wes? What do you have? I have the Big Zipper. Oh, all right. Ah, there we go. Opening that guy up. Let's make sure we don't spill it on anything as we go along. So if you're, uh, there, there's your cue right there. I, I, I was negligent in mentioning it. Have you heard of Linux AIO? Have you heard of this? This this is this is really something. This is uh, it's a project that well maybe I could actually I'll explain it to you in a way that uh, just tells you what it's doing. So uh, imagine yourself for a moment in the position of from time to time wanting different various Ubuntu flavors. I don't see this to be unreasonable. Maybe you've one time for a machine you want Mate. Maybe you want sixteen oh four straight. A lot of different offices. Or sure, families. sure. For yourself, you know, because you're not an animal, you're installing Ubuntu GNOME edition. I'm kidding. Right. Yep. Uh, but that's a pain in the butt. You know, it's a pain in the butt to download all those different ISOs. Well, check this out. This from the a- Linux AIO team is one ISO that you can write to a USB flash drive, and it's all the different versions of Ubuntu 16.04 that you can choose at boot which wow. one you want to run. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a little tricky right now because you have to download two different uh, uh, files because of SourceForge limitations. And then when you extract them, they combine to one. It's just a 7-zip. Oh, um, and then you write that to a USB thumb drive, and when you boot up, you get the option of Ubuntu, Kubuntu, Ubuntu Gnome, Ubuntu Mate, Zubuntu, Lubuntu, kind of all that stuff. We should uh, host that somewhere where it can be hosted at one, as one file, and then that sounds really helpful. <laughs> or a torrent. Yeah, right? Because I could see, like, especially like if you want to make a USB drive for some new user, maybe you don't have time to install it with them, or you don't have time to like really pick out something for them. Just right. bam, here, right. let them decide. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, a very nice, it's a very nice tool, and it's a project we'll be watching. And I think it's pretty cool because you can also pick uh, 64 and 32, which is kind of nice. Uh, so check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes. And that is the Linux AIO project, linuxaio.net. Which, uh, where you pretty cool it. work. Yeah. And kind of obvious, too. Should see those. We should, I'm surprised we haven't, we haven't seen those kind of know, things right? before. Now, Wimpy's not in there today, right? He hasn't joined us. Don't see I him. found this super neat video that he posted uh, on, the, uh, well, on his YouTube channel. Check this thing out. Now, it's again, it's pretty visual heavy. It's one of these... Um, 
code development visualization oh, thingies that uh, shows you that the uh, the expansion of Ubuntu Mate welcome development. So this is just the visualization for the uh, welcome thing that they have created for Ubuntu Mate, which uh, we've praised quite a bit on the show. Uh, and watch this thing here, Wes. Isn't this a neat tool? Yes, it is. I love it. I love that. And it shows you that's uh, so now we're into March of 2015. So I'll put a link to the video if, in the show notes if you audio listeners want to check this out. Get down with it. Right? Look, there goes Martin. Boop, 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 Bam! Boop. <laughs> Fixing all the things. Look at him. That wow. Boy, that was an explosion of PNGs. Yeah, that's pretty great. I love these visualizations. There's a, bunch awesome. of there's a bunch of different projects that have them out there. But that is a that is a neat one to see that. And the, like there's one that's like a really famous one of the Linux kernel that you can find. That uh, This would like also make a good screensaver. Yeah, it really would. We should do this. We should look at different projects and do this from time to time. Because I think you just have to look at the... Uh, Repo. Yeah, I'm sure we could wrap, write up a little script to put those together. <laughs> Visualize different projects and uh, play them here on the show. It'd be good to know. It'd be good to be able to like click in on these though and get like more information about them. That uh, right, would really yes, like a visual JavaScript explorer. Yes, you can inspect the commits if you want. Oh, I would totally love that. Somebody build that. Jeez, Louise. get on it. Yeah. <laughs> see, I kind of was waiting to see where it goes. Into I want to fast forward to see what it looks like. Uh, so here we are in 20. Oh yeah, it's way bigger in 2016. And it's filled with pot. You see that? Those are all labeled pot right there. So who knows what Wimpy's up to? What? No wonder he's not here to account for himself. Hmm? Hmm? Very suspicious. Very, very suspicious. Well, uh, anyways, you audio listeners can find that in the show notes. All right. So I, I don't, uh, I don't really talk often about Triscoll. In fact, I can't even remember if we've done a review recently. Right. But I'm pretty sure a couple of folks here in the mumble room are running. Anybody currently running Triscoll in the mumble room? I know we have a few from time to time that jump in there. And Triscoll has made a pretty big statement. Um, and I, I, I thought we would talk about this just really briefly. So the, the statement from Triscoll uh, is essentially boils down to it's not about ethics. Or I'm sorry. It's, it's about ethics. It's not about technology or innovation. Uh, just a friendly reminder, the post reads, for those of you that seem anxious for new releases of things like Chromium, Skype, Spotify, or maybe buying the most powerful computer you can buy, I recommend you watch Richard Stallman's Four Freedoms. I think many of you should remember that the point of free software is not about convincing the most shining, or not about conceiving or getting the, uh, new shiny features. It's about <clears throat> your freedom. It's about ethics. I know shiny features may uh, delight most computer users, but your freedom should be so important that you can wait a little for those things. If you are thinking free software is not convenient, I will not change. The, um, and I will not change this. Just remember, freedom is worth the inconvenience. So please stop thinking about snappy packages and begin enjoying your freedom. <clears throat> Strong words. Uh, hmm. What do you think about that, Wes? What are your What's your reaction when you hear that? Your honest reaction is that out of touch in your estimation, or is that exactly in touch for a particular market? I I I, I think I fall more on the latter there. I mean, I I I don't. I'm not a. I'm not. I don't use it. You know, and I I've obviously made compromises on the non freedom end of things on my day to day life, and I'm okay with that. But they do have a point. I think it comes off a little bit like. They're kind of cross, you know, cross talking. Like the people that are criticizing them, or that they're perceived as being criticized, aren't maybe really interested, and like they've already decided not to run that distribution. But I do think they have a legitimate point that, like, if you are really concerned about these things, then you, there are sacrifices you have to make. There are compromises, and you should be aware of it. And you should have software distributions that are ready to make those choices for you, and won't be lured, you know, pu- pulled in by the allure of things that maybe in the long run aren't worth the trade off. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Go ahead. So I basically disagree uh, with this statement of one reason. Debian pretty much by default is free. Um, it has, you know, the separate repositories and all the things. The only reason it's really not classified is because, well, it has the other repositories. And when you look at Debian, SID, which is the unstable branch, you still get fancy new features. So I'm sorry. Hmm. Really slow at it. Okay. All right. So that's a good, that's a good perspective. Um I, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time not finding this as sticking your head in the sand a bit, and saying, "Well, don't don't." I guess it's particularly odd that the one they're picking on Snap packages, 
Yeah, no, that is weird. I mean, because it seems like a pretty solid security innovation and a pretty solid user experience innovation. I think at least the second one. I think the security one is being worked on anyway. I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess you. I mean, when I when I mean security, I'm thinking you know containerized applications in Wayland or Mir, I suppose. So I'm thinking down the road. Sure, right. Um, hmm. You're right. It is. It is weird. It right? because, because if you care about freedom, you probably security should be a concern as well. So there is there is an important right. angle. I guess see where I draw the line is. Um, and you can also distribute perfectly, you know, free open source software with snap packages. And if it makes it easier, then that's that's good for freedom, right? See, to me, the computer ultimately, ultimately has to be a tool that enables me. And the free software is extremely important to that. But it also shouldn't be the thing that holds you back. So it's, that's, for me anyways, I find, it, I find it to be a very sort of thin line they're walking between I, irrelevance I and, and, and... But then again, at the same time, I think if you have a, do- a core demo who that is the number one thing they want from their tool, I think it's right on point. Uh, any, f- any other thoughts on Trisco before we move on? It's, it's something we don't give a lot of mention to, and I actually think it's, it's a pretty great project. Uh, I just don't think it really appeals to a lot of us here on the show from a lot of different for a lot of different reasons, and so we don't talk about it. A lot. And I think there's a difference here too between like what they're you know like what they're trying to do, and you can definitely argue that their execution might not be good, right? Like they, they, maybe you don't need to wait for a lot of these things to be free as well. Yeah. So there's there's that difficulty as well. So my last comment on Triscoll, I guess it will be considering the free software distros, it's pretty much the only survivor. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah. But other than this, probably not. There, I don't, I don't have much insight on this, but there seems to be a dogma of thought from the Triscoll project and from the Tails project that precludes them from sometimes considering really good outside ideas. Uh, Tails, uh, you, you can go look into the drama yourself, but there's, there's definitely some drama around how they secure their kernel and about what outside people think they should be doing versus what they should be doing. By the way, Tails had a new release today, um, and so I find both, I find. I find curiousness with both these distributions very stubborn approach to something, but at the same time, you could argue the same thing about Mint and some of the ways they do things. Right, yeah. And again, it really does appeal to a certain audience. And and do we benefit from having these like almost an installment like sense, right? Where it's like you don't always agree with him, but like he keeps making points that you do you see the side of and yeah. it might be good just in for the community to have that even if very few people end up really aligning right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So- well and he has been right. Yeah, to, to his fair point. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to argue with long-term results. It really, it really is. It's uh, he's. I mean, there's plenty of things he said that you could probably play back that right. that don't seem right now in retrospect. But I think many of them were at least uh, the core philosophies of them. So yeah, if you're a Triscoll user and uh, you have particular thoughts on that story, let us know. Yeah, please come back, join our lug. Let us know what you think about it. Let me tell you about something I think about all the time, and that's Ting. I think about how great it is not to have to worry that the two big providers in our area keep coming up with new gimmicks. Actually, all three Ugh. providers, and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I don't have to think about that stuff because Ting is super simple. And when you, have a, when you have a busy schedule and you just want things straightforward and simple, nobody beats Ting. Nobody beats Ting. Go to linux.ting.com. They have a very simple setup. It's $6 for your phone line. If you bring a device or you buy a device, it's $6 for that phone line. That's it. And then it's just your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes on top of that. Linux.ting.com. It's really straightforward. There's no contracts. There's no determination fee. There's no, you get something free on Tuesdays, like gimmicks. It's just... They, if you want them as a dumb pipe, they'll be a dumb pipe. If you want them as something that is your backup data service, they're that. If you want them as just a cell phone carrier, they're that. They sell everything from just the bare SIM cards to feature phones all the way up to the greatest, latest smartphones. Linux.ting.com. Go check out how someone who's looking at the wireless industry from a new perspective would reboot it with really good actual human beings for customer support. A fantastic, fantastic control panel. Two networks to choose from, GSM and CDMA. I really, really think this is something you should look at. Linux.ting.com. Go there to support the show and save a little bit. And when you go to the Ting site and you want to jump around a bit, why not check out their blog? They're doing customer spotlights. They recently did some giveaways. They've done an Ask Zach recently about expanding customer support. Tips on minimizing data usage. Linux.ting.com. Go check them out. It's mobile that really makes sense. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Thank you, Ting. Thank you. <clears throat> so, Wes. Now, I'm also trying not to be inflammatory here. Uh, but we've got to talk about this. 
Firefox 47.0 is out. Do, 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 do. So the big things that we care about in Firefox 47 is VP9 codec support is turned on for users with fast machines, quote unquote. Quote unquote. Whatever that is. And YouTube videos now play with HTML5 video when Flash is not installed. That's a big, big upgrade. However, Windows users and Mac users also received a feature that Linux users... You mean the most important users? (laughs) Maybe the most important feature, actually. Um, it's that whole, uh, it's the, okay, so I, f- I forget what the standard was, but basically Google was one of the companies behind it, and it was their effort to kill out Silverlight and things like that. Mozilla's incorporated uh, the uh, HTML5 DRM CDM component, you know what I'm talking about, yes, that allows, uh, like, uh, Netflix encrypted and... media extensions or whatever. The encrypted, yes, thank you, the encrypted media extension. Uh, that, so it allows you to watch encrypted media via HTML5 instead of having to use crappy Silverlight or crappy Flash. <laughs> Nobody wants DRM. But it seems that enough of us <clears throat> want to watch Netflix and Hulu or whatever right. the crap. These are the trade-offs that we are making. Apparently. So uh, Google's uh, been supporting that for Linux for like almost a year now. Yeah. It's been a while. It's so long that I kind of forgot that Netflix used to be a hard thing to do on Linux, right? Like, yeah. That's... The, only way I, I, the only way I was even reminded that it's still a thing is whenever Noah is visiting and he wants to watch Netflix, it's the one thing he uses Chrome for. And I always laugh that's at adorable. him for it. Yeah, it's super adorable that this hardcore Firefox I mean, I love user... You, Noah. Yeah, a hardcore Firefox user has to install Chrome on every machine. Uh, and so, what the hell? I mean, seriously, straight up, what the hell? If Google could deliver this almost a year ago, mm-hmm. I swear this is, not all, this is also not the so, first time that Firefox is shipped with features that don't work on Linux that Chrome nailed a while ago. Do you, do you sense this? I do. But I do wonder, given their position and the slope of said position, I wonder if they just don't. You know, Are, are they spending this trying to get this out sooner than... Would it be better to do a limited release and get Linux later than wait for the Linux and do it all if they really want this to remain to be competitive? Hmm. I'll tell you what I think. Because if, if I can't watch Netflix, you know, it's like if. I yeah, mean, that's, so, for a lot of people, that's a deal breaker. Yeah. It's a totes deal breaker. But if the whole Linux, you know, I don't know how that breaks down, like Linux market share on Chrome versus on Firefox compared to their other user bases. Yeah. It's interesting. I bet you it's pretty high, even though most distribution ship with Firefox is yeah, default. Right. I bet you Chromium is yeah, pretty Chromium. High. Yeah. Uh, here's what I think is going on. I don't think it's because Mozilla doesn't love Linux, although I think they could be trying a little harder. I'm a little disappointed, yeah. to be honest. But I don't think that's actually what it is. I think it's Mozilla getting their asses handed to them by Google. See, the things that have been happening, like the encryption extensions for HTML5 video, and a lot of the changes in the whole, the whole arena there, um, other specs as well, have all been pushed by Google. Yep. And, Mo- and Mozilla has, in some cases, like with Open H.264 and H.264 support in general, yep. they drug and drug and drug and drug and drug their feet. And it wasn't until Cisco came along and bought up the licensing and released it under a, a compatible license and then worked with Mozilla, this is my understanding of the situation, that we actually got a decent Open H.264 implementation in Firefox. Right. Thanks to Cisco doing something for the good of everyone. But even until 47, you didn't get HTML5 playback on YouTube. And it's still, it'll still use Flash if you have that installed. Right. So why aren't they pushing the agenda forward here in a way that would seem to be taking this by the lead instead of they're always now trailing? This seems bad to me. This yeah. seems like a really bad sign for Firefox. I think there are bigger there are issues uh, with Firefox than just Netflix. Um, I noticed that Firefox uh, doesn't even work properly with GDK anymore. So it doesn't scale together with uh, GTK. So when I install Ubuntu on my tablet, I have an x86 tablet, and I, I want all the fonts to be bigger. I want all the buttons to be bigger so everything works on the touchscreen, right? Uh, on Chrome, everything scales properly. On Firefox, it doesn't. Um, uh Chrome works very well, or Chromium works very well with touch devices uh, and touch screens. Firefox doesn't. Um, and th- uh, for me, this is a much bigger issue than something like Netflix, which is a single website, and support for touch devices, which mm-hmm. there is more and more of everywhere. Yeah, um, right. uh, this affects everything that you do with the browser. W.W., I want to give you a chance to jump in, too. I don't think 
like H okay, video whether it be Flash, HTML5, whatever, it's still the heaviest burden on any web browser, Firefox especially included. Um, I have Flash installed on Firefox 46. I have, and I can um, still view my preference of HTML5 videos perfectly fine, but it still weighs down the browser yeah. no matter what. So, <clears throat> I mean, getting HTML5, hey, that's great for Linux users and Windows users and whoever else. But if you just have, you know, maybe you go from one video to the next, it just loads up that memory usage, <laughs> even if you have, you know, so... Yeah, we got HTML5, great, but you're just trading one Flash for a different one, and you still have to pretty much watch your usage of HTML5 video. It's true. I mean, the the, the advantage, right, though, is you don't have that horrible, god-awful, zero-day riddled Flash runtime. Oh, my God. Well, Chrome eats your memory regardless of whether you uh, read it or not. Or like the old age-old flash bug where you couldn't have it open on one screen if you clicked on the other screen. All that, all that crap. Oh, flash has been the bane of X11 users for right? years now. Yeah. Uh, so my take on this whole thing is if this continues to happen, and I'm not, and I, I would, I would really love for someone who's who's who really thinks I'm wrong to speak up because what I'm worried about is Firefox slowly slipping into a lot of little scenarios where Firefox just isn't kind of going to work for that job. Yep. Like, and know, the more you have, the, right, that kind of snowballs. Ca- it seems like they catch up at the same time, but at the, at the other, like... There's one thing I have seen, like, there's stuff for web extensions. That seems like they're kind of pushing the ball a little bit, but... If Rotten Corpse many. is in here, I think he would uh, be disagreeing with me, because he's a Firefox fan. But, Richard, I, I haven't heard from you. Do you... Are, are you particular for Chrome, Chromium, Firefox, and do you feel like uh, you disagree with what we're going, with, with the direction we're taking this? I'm a, more of a Chromium fan lately, just because it seems to work better for me. But I'm, I'm t- I mean, I don't use Flash. I, I will never use Flash again, and I'm you, quite yeah. happy living without it. Hell, hmm. the well, glorious future. Mm. My beer overflew. Well, so it sounds like you're sort of. That's okay. Thanks, Wes. Wes jumped up into action. So it sounds like Richard, you're kind of in somewhat agreement with us in that. Uh, the the trend seems to be that a lot of us have switched over to Chrome over the years, or Chromium, which is a, which is a better option probably for for the Linux desktop in a lot of cases. Um, all right, well, I'll save my thoughts for the rest of it as we. Jeez, uh, I got beer all over me. <laughs> as we uh, get into the rest of the Google discussion later. Uh, so yeah, all right. Any other thoughts before we move on from the topic, guys? Going once on Chromium and Firefox, going twice. All right. Moving on, if you want to tell us, if you want to give us any feedback, you can always join us next week. You know, I should probably, before we change complete topics, I should mention Dio real quick. I want you to go over to DigitalOcean and use our promo code Dio Unplugged. That'll give you a $10 credit over DigitalOcean. Hey, thank you, Wes. Look at that thing. Look at that thing. That, that went crazy on me. That went, that went, that went legit crazy on me. I, <laughs> we now have beer uh, all over the place. If I had my phone on me, I would take a picture of the, uh, it looks like I piddled all over the floor. It really looks it's bad. Really just a shame we didn't have one of Noah's laptops around. I know. Could ruin. I know. I, I I swear. See, this is this is why I don't drink beer on any of the other shows because I end up spilling it like once every three episodes at this rate. This is horrible. Uh, so that's why you know what for somebody like me, DigitalOcean's perfect because apparently I can't even be trusted with a beer. But DigitalOcean knows how to manage their infrastructure. They manage the infrastructure, and I push the pretty buttons, and they exactly. are very pretty buttons. They have a great interface and a great API. Use our promo code DO Unplugged to get that five dollar rig. Try it out two months for free. Did you say that right? Five dollars? Five dollars. I know. I know. It's really nice. And they just step it up from there. They got FreeBSD, Fedora, Debian, CoreOS, CentOS. They got data centers all over the world, including a brand new one in India. I think one of the better things about it, though, is the documentation. Yes. Super good. I was just over there right now. And, you know, you wouldn't think it, but they're still, like, they still have, they just. They just revved a, an article for Ubuntu 14.04. There's still people out there doing that. An introduction to configuration management, a three-part series. That's great. My favorite part is that you can tell just by the documentation that like people like you are the people that use DigitalOcean. You know, it's like they're not they're not like ten year old people who you know who haven't updated the new software. It's like people who use DigitalOcean. They they're learning how to deploy Nginx mm-hmm. because that's what you deploy today. You know, they have modern deployment practices. Yeah. Best guides. It's awesome. Yeah, and they have the entire stack, which you can deploy with everything ready to go, or you can set it all up from scratch yourself, which I like both those yep. things. <clears throat> and, the, you know, the snapshots and the quick spin-up of the machines make trying different versions of that stuff super easy, too. 
DigitalOcean.com. Just use the promo code DOUnplug to support us. And a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged show. Okay, so I wanted, to, I wanted to do that spot right there because I want to give us some room to talk about OwnCloud because there seems to be a lot of confusion about what the hell's going on here. And if you didn't see Sunday's show, we had a talk with uh, Joss and Frank from NextCloud. Um, and I don't really have a particular agenda with this topic, more so than I, not any more so than I would typically. But it seems to me that people still are a little unclear on why they left, why they couldn't just fix it at OwnCloud, and it seems to me that people are a little unclear as to which lessons we should be taking away from this to avoid this thing in the future. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Swampy over at CIO.com has a pretty good write-up that uh, I think is worth sort of digging through and discussing a bit. And he, it's titled, What We Can Learn from Own Cloud's Collapse. Now, I want to make it clear, at this point in time, the Own Cloud community and company are still around. Right. The U.S. division of the company has been shut down. But OwnCloud is still there. You can still download OwnCloud. Yep. Theoretically, there's going to be an OwnCloud 10 or whatever. So OwnCloud has not actually collapsed, but... There's been a shift in momentum. A lot of the core team has left, including right. the original founding developer. Uh, the, there's a lot of press. I mean, it's, 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 NextCloud is probably the horse to bet on, I would, I would suspect. Mm-hmm. Anybody in the mumble room disagree before I... You guys are so easy. People probably think they ever, I just uh, pick out yes men. Yeah, I really exactly. don't. No. <laughs> I swear I don't. People just we okay. invite curmudgeons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, my take on what we could learn in a moment. But first, I just wanted to clarify a couple of things on why it happened. I think, based on my reading of our chat with Frank and Jaws, and based on the reading of this post here, a couple of things that stood out. Um. I guess it, it gets it, let's start with what was really the obvious one was investors seemed to be a problem. And I think if, if you read between the lines, what they were saying is that a lot of own clouds features were held back because developers had to conv- convince an investor in 30 seconds. And every conversation led to a comparison with Dropbox. Which make it sound like these lead developers in particular, the people that we're talking about here, like if you're constrained in that way where you feel like you can't do what the community wants and what the people yeah. who are really interested yeah. want, that I could see how that would be very frustrating. Yeah, basically the investors go, yeah, well, Dropbox doesn't do that, so we're not going to yeah, do well, Will that make us money right now? No? Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. This is when um, MariaDB left Oracle or MySQL. Oh. My right, right. Very much so. I think there's some lessons there too. Um, uh, Swampy writes, no matter who you talk to, from SUSE to Red Hat to CoreOS, every company that has built its business around open source values the community the most. The community is what creates their projects. They have to strike a very fine balance between business needs and community needs. And that balance seems to have been tripped, or I'm sorry, tipped, at OwnCloud. The announcements of OwnCloud Foundation was met with criticism from the open source community, which saw it as proof that the company was still trying to be in control. For example, OwnCloud Inc. had the majority control over the foundation, which gave them the power to expel any community member. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't make it feel very much like a community. <laughs> no, it project. doesn't. Um, Richard, he name drops uh, SUSE there. And uh, OpenSUSE is, I mean, that's, you have to agree with that statement, I would imagine. Every company that's built its business around open source values the community the most. He goes and talks about that. They would. Uh, they did not. They did not understand. They did not understand how to put community first, and in, in like a dramatic sense, in a sense that sometimes would perhaps not lead to greater revenue, but would lead to a greater community. Do you have any thoughts on that particular aspect of this situation, Richard? I, I think the part of, of Swapnik's point is is accurate. I mean, I I, I don't know enough about the OwnCloud situation to say, you know, did they get that totally wrong? I mean, I think there's lots of different factors at play there, but it, the the core message that if if you're going to be doing any kind of open source business, you you can't forget about your contributors. You can't forget about the developers. They're the the heart and soul of the whole thing, and you have to find some way of striking that balance between the two. And yeah, if you get that mix wrong then stuff like what we're seeing with OwnCloud and NextCloud definitely is the kind of thing you'd expect to see. Yeah, it does. It feels That feels pretty genuine to me. Uh, Joss also expressed his frustrations on Google+, where he wrote that he had learned that often with venture capital, you have to limit yourself to doing things investors can understand rather than what users, and in this case probably community, right, and customers ask for or what maybe could even make money. This doesn't always have to be an issue but can be crippling. 
And it's frustrating because management ends up forced to make short-term decisions that they know are bad. And this is why business angels are better than venture capital. Yeah. Yeah, it seems it seems particularly the venture capital and open source are very rocky. Sometimes at odds, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean they they screwed diaspora, really. Yeah. The venture capital yes. killed diaspora. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, diaspora did get the Get the the situation was was a little bit different with with the attachment group and therefore SUSE and therefore Open SUSE, but I mean that that worked out pretty well. Well, it, but do you do you look at that as an investor so much, or do you look at that as a parent company that sort of has strategic alliances or alignments? I should say. Well, the the, the attachment group was was primarily VC ish. Yeah, investment oh, okay. group backed. Okay. Um, it, not anymore. That's all microfocus now. That's a public company in the UK. Completely different structure. Um, but yeah, for the the post novel attachment group years, it, it, there's there's definite parallels there. And I guess we might we just got lucky and got a group that understood that and you know had goals that kind of fitted in nicely because it wasn't really an, an unhealthy relationship at all. Yeah, it does seem like it's worked well. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's worked well for it did not work well out for own cloud. Uh, N three, you wanted to ask, you wanted to jump in here. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're justifying stuff to investors, you're forgetting the fact that like the point of open source is you're not limited by the narrow minds of your investors or, I, or profit I, motives or any of these things that normally block you. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. Most of my work is uh, it has a huge base of open source, and we do to release code. And it, our deal is to make money. Sorry. Well, really? it seems to me it would depend on the people involved. Because here's the scenario I see happening. A community comes along. Somebody contributes something that's great for your project. It's just a great new feature or an obvious direction that you could go in. And maybe it's um, something to do with sync. Or maybe it is a rebuild of something that was done in PHP to something more, well, different. Uh and you go to the, you go to the investor. You say, "Look at this great new code that somebody's brought to us. If we spent time expanding upon this, we could really build this into a super serious feature." Yeah. And you could see the investor going, "Take some third party's code and alter our trajectory and our plans because of something that somebody in his basement put together for us." That's a ridiculous idea. You could see the way they would look at that would simply be, right. "That's impractical. We shouldn't. That is that is that would be irresponsible." I'm that's sorry, that's not a real investor, though. That's not a real investor. I think it depends on... that in the sense that investors look at free money. Like, they, they look at, oh, somebody gave us something to have an edge on something else. You would else. think so. Free money. I, and, I would think it would depend on the person, though. And, and, and honestly, there, there is the other side. Like, if somebody just contributed a piece of code to your project and you have a vision, and that's going to derail your vision, maybe you should be focusing on why you had the first vision in the first place. Actually, it's part of sane planning to do what you set yourself to do first. Then you, uh, you know, this side away from it. You have to have room to do that. But it's part of being, you know, an actual team that can produce results. It's not just about investment. You as a project, you have to set goals and to meet those goals. Otherwise, you fail to everyone you committed to. Sure, sure. Indeed. Maybe I I should have said um, monetary investors or, you know, VCs instead of because you can invest code, too. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. I, th- I yeah. think, think Dart hits a, hits a really good point. And I think this actually, this is like full blown Richard the individual conspiracy theorist going on here. I know <laughs> nothing about this. But like, if you if you look at like some of the graphs that, that come out from the GitHub from OwnCloud, um, you, you see a period back in like 2014 where like obviously OwnCloud Inc. was doing all of the work. There was no community, there was no momentum there. So in that kind of environment, I can imagine an investor going, well, we're doing all the work we, we can't trust on, we can't rely on this community. So you know, it, it makes it this foreign, unreliable entity. And you, you think in sort of traditional software development company terms of what do we do, what do we control, sure. blah. And I guess this goes back to the earlier point of which Wapnall made. You know, for this to all work properly, happily, and healthily, you you need to have that balance between community and company. Yeah. So yeah. if you have, so if if you have the community who are, you know, doing a significant portion, doing the majority, do it. Yeah. You know, then 
that story to your investor becomes completely different of, yeah, we have these guys who are basically giving us free stuff and we pay nothing for it besides maybe a little bit of sponsorship here and there. You know, this is awesome. It makes us millions. There's no funder in the world who isn't going to buy up that idea. I suppose but so. The, but, the, but the community has to have, you know, it has to have maturity, strengths, you know, credibility that, yeah, if you look back at OwnCloud back in 2014, I, I, there's a clear sign that wasn't there then. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. point. Skooky, you, you make a point about uh, the corporate perspective and all of this. Well, okay, so on one hand, you have, okay, there's never been a more litigious time in terms of from a corporate perspective to build in op- – to bring in open source libraries and code into any sort of you know real project that you want to package because now – uh, you know all of yeah. uh, you know what I'm just like all the like stuff I, around I, Android and all of the patent wars that we went through and all of the yep. cross licensing and even the Oracle versus Google stuff going on. But by the same token, I think what we're what we're what we're 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 kind of talking at cross points here in the sense that the power of free and open source software is that we adapt where a need is uh, presented. You know, we fill. Um, we, we move, we, we fix where, um, larger corporate, you know, blah, uh, structures do not want to blah. Yeah. And also I would say we also stay focused in areas that are no longer uh, sexy and marketable to to large companies. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Well, the thing is like, you know, we fix problems and we, and what I mean is like, oh, well you have a crazy use case, you know, X, well, fine. You know, Microsoft isn't going to fix that or come up with some sort of solution for that for you. Well, that's why free and open source, you know, blah is so powerful, and that's why it's. I mean, this is this is the first I've heard about OwnCloud. This is really depressing. Oh yeah, you got to yeah. check uh, Sunday's last. Yeah, we, um, we covered it all in there. Uh, whew. All right. Any other thoughts from the homebrew before we uh, move on? Okay. So this is all interesting. It's it's funny how even when unplanned, there ends up being a thread that sort of connects the whole show together. Right. Uh, and uh, I want to kind of wrap that thread up in the next segment. So let's. This is a perfectly natural spot to stop and say thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. Love this sponsor. This is a great idea. This is a this was a brilliant way to honestly make a little money for it by producing Linux content. Right. Really clever. Uh, and the key was to actually make something useful. So they've got 2,465 self-based courses with videos and comprehensive study guides and downloadable material that you get to keep and own. And they come with virtual labs that spin up as you need them and give you SSH access. You can choose the distro, which will adjust the virtual machine and the courseware. I, I think probably the key thing to Linux Academy, though, is their insight into the community because they are Linux enthusiasts and users themselves. And part of the reason they created the academy was to promote Linux adoption. They follow the trends extremely well. I, they, had, they had stuff on containers when containers were just brand new. When, when the big switch from IP tables was happening, some of the first courseware here at Linux Academy. Like, they follow this stuff super closely because they are Linux users themselves. They have instructor mentoring available which is fantastic for this level of courseware. They have graded server exercises, which will help you with your test anxiety. They have some of the best courseware out there on the topics they cover. They've hired staff recently. They've gotten some funding, and they are doubling down on making sure their back catalog stays relevant, which I think is brilliant, as well as researching future topics and building new features into the platform all the time. Your membership is constantly getting more valuable. Start by going to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. That'll give you our discount. They've recently restructured their pricing to a really simple, easy-to-understand format, and you get a great deal if you go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Whether you're looking for something like the Red Hat Certified Courseware to understanding Android development, they've got it, and they've got great courses on it with instructor mentoring available. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Thanks, Linux Academy. You guys rock. It's a nice resource. It's a great really resource. It's, it's, a, it's, um, it's really kind of nice to have a resource out there like that and to have them want to be sponsors on our little podcast. Thank you, guys. Now, I got to talk about something that – so I'm you know, getting all uh, 
reflective because of the tenth anniversary. And we were talking like, hey, should we should we do like, hey, let's talk about something that we thought is just the funniest thing over the last ten years, or the biggest dramatic thing, or some of the big stories. We just would kind of do them here as a little as a little fun to do segment. And I. I started thinking about it. I said, John, you know, if there's one thing that's haunted me for the last 10 years is that I keep slipping into services. Services. I've managed, I feel like, to pretty much free myself from proprietary software in my daily life um, and, and in 90 per, 95% of my media production. It's getting way up there now. Like, I'm feeling really good. But when it comes to services, specifically ones that I'm actually a little paranoid about, um, and you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Googs. Google, honestly, I think, I think we don't spend enough time conceptualizing how much they actually know about us. Mm-hmm. When I hear people talk about Google Photos, I don't, I don't know if they fully realize the amount of data that Google can get when you take family pictures and then have them back up to Google Photos. Google has the capability of analyzing the emotions on your face. They have the capability of analyzing those faces to see what other people are in your social network. Not your fake online social network, but your actual your real, real social network. Because you're taking pictures of people and they're associating those with your account. They have location information in those photos. They have the phone information, like what model it is, so they can see how often you buy new phones. I mean, there is so much information out of every single service that they get. And, and if you ever want to know... You can just go look at your Google dashboard and be sort of blown away by all of the stuff that's in there. My favorite one is like going to the voice activity page where they where – they, because they record every voice command. And I, that's right. big for me. I do a lot of dictation because I'm a horrible speller, often because I got my hands – You're very busy. Busy. Uh, and I also uh, will use the, o, the OK Googs feature to search for stuff. And sometimes – I even use it uh, because I, if I can't find it on any, of my, you know, on any of my home screens, instead of tapping the application drawer and bringing up all the apps, I'll use, I'll use the Google Launcher to just launch the application. And it's so creepy when you actually stop and realize that they have all of that. So here's me uh, yesterday at 7.04 p.m. Wait. Okay, Google. Open the new egg app. Creepy. What's creepy is there's a good second before I even say, okay, Googs, right? Yep. Uh, and here again. Okay, Google. Open the Twitch app. So you can hear my kids are watching DuckTales in the background. Uh, and uh, here I am again. Okay, Google. Best Twitter app for Android. I, I barely remember doing any of these things. Did you uh, find that app? Here I am talking to my Android TV. Hydraulic RV slide maintenance. I was looking for YouTube uh, videos. The, vid- the audio quality is horrible yeah, on that one. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, you, you just go through your Google dashboard, and it's remarkable what they know about you. Uh, it's really stunning. And that means that, I mean, they can do whatever they want with that, right? They can, like, break down how your voice works. They could be building samples. Like, I mean, yeah. whatever makes sense. Uh, another example is uh, I, uh, I have... Um, Google Now turned on, which I find to be very valuable as you start to use it more. And um, I have a, a, an Android Wear watch that has Google Fit. And when you enable Google Fit, you turn on an extra layer of accuracy for your GPS tracking. Mm. And so it, it, like, it, it literally tracks me so closely now that it knows like, when I cut across a driveway versus like, going uh, down the wow. pathway. Like, it, it, it plays it all back through the Fit application. Um, and to that degree now, they have noticed, Google has, that I've started taking certain side roads on my home route. And now it has begun giving me my estimated time of arrival using these side roads that it would never map you if you, if you didn't go that way. Yeah, because I, the, the route I originally started taking was the way Google Maps sent me the first time. And then as I learned the area, I started taking side roads that I prefer. And now it is automatically, when I pull up my Nexus here and I look at the Google Now card, it'll automatically represent my preferred route. Right. And that data probably goes into ways, and now they recommend it to other people too. Uh, it is um, it is weird because I find myself fascinated by some of the advances that actually have proved to be over the last, I would say, year or so that I've really been experimenting with Google now, actually useful. Right, like about a year, two years ago, like didn't it didn't really feel it's, you're like yeah. okay, great, yeah, you seemed, know I'm at the mall, yeah, fun. It, it seemed obvious, exactly. Uh, and I'm, I'm still, I think it sucks that it's mostly only on mobile. Uh, and so if you really want to take advantage of it, you have to be on on, on a mobile device. However, 
Um, it's now gotten to, it's gotten really good at guessing what kind of news stories I like yes, to follow. Definitely, it's gotten really good at uh, looking at my shipped packages and telling me when they're mm-hmm. going to arrive. All of that stuff I've actually found helps me when when things are really busy and I'm I'm doing a really shitty job of being a human being and I'm just not keeping up you with things. Don't have that spare cycle at yeah. all, even to track your packages or like. So I had a Google Now card came up that said, "Hey, you know your uh, Amex bills right do like right now. Do you want to pay this?" I'm like. Yeah, I do. I do want to pay that. Thank you. Yeah, I've been super busy. I hadn't thought about that. I was going to miss that. Yeah, I was. Um, And so it does seem to be patching some holes that I find as a regular, as a just as a as a as apparently a dysfunctional member of society. I can't keep track of these things sometimes. And so it's nice to have this big brain that is augmenting to some degree these weak spots for me. Uh, However. When I think about the amount of data they are collecting on me, all of my email, mm-hmm. all of my text messages, all of my location information. I'm just looking at my location history right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of my docs that I put in Google Docs, all of this stuff is they have so, so much on me that it also at the same time feels like it's not actually sufficient to how much they can actually do. It feels like it should be more than that for the amount of privacy right. that they have, uh, they have taken Stripped, from me. Yeah. Um, and so I look at this and I think, how come now 10 years into doing these shows, I have, I have not gone just – why have I not become a hardliner on this? Why have I not drawn a hard line that says I just refuse to use these services? Why am I not a Triscoll user? You know, why, why – what is it about – I feel like I, it's, I, am, I am being irresponsible in a way. Like I feel like part of me – part of me legitimately knows that they are, they are probably building a profile that is much deeper and richer of me than I can probably even conceptualize. Right. I mean, let's look at the resources they have and all of the information and data input they have, especially when you start using an Android device and Android Wear, and it's constantly monitoring my steps, my heart rate, and my location. And it's about the best tracking device you could hope to design right now. Yeah, and when I do voice commands, which I do all the time, they're capturing my emotion at the time. They're capturing my kids in the background, the voices that are in there. When I take photos on my Android device, they're automatically uploaded to Google Photos. Oh, right. And I can type in Dylan hugs, and I can see every time I took a picture of Dylan getting a hug. So they, they understand what a hug is. Yep. So I don't think I'm even conceptualizing fully how much they know about me. And yet, even even knowing that, and and knowing the, the 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 downsides of getting locked into proprietary closed systems, all, even all that, I still find myself slipping into Google services all the time. I just feel like I feel like I'm crazy. Scooky Sprite, am I crazy? Just he, of course you're crazy. Are you out of your mind? Like uh, crazy for like the fact that every like, I don't know. I've been listening to Jupiter Broadcasting for, like, what, three, four years now? And, yeah, every time you have this moment of reflection, everyone in the audience is like, yeah, Chris, you are the product. You are just realizing this, and you work in the I know that. Industry. That's <laughs> the problem. I mean, look at you, though. You have the Amazon Echo. I have the Echo, it? but the Echo – okay, so here, there's a big difference. The Echo doesn't follow me around. That's one thing. The other thing is, like, you know, fine, Amazon – I buy everything through Amazon anyway. I got nothing really to hide from Amazon. Amazon doesn't follow my traffic, you know, to work and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, like, have you looked at, like, how easy it is to spot two people in, like, a a cloud? Uh, This is not, like, anything that's tracking your heartbeat or anything like that. How easy it is to figure out two people in a, like, you know, 500 people in a metropolitan area who are, going to meet each other yeah, uh, surreptitiously, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? I mean, okay, so that's the unhappy side of this. You're 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 still coming to grips with the happy side of it. Yeah, sure, they're using all – you are the aggregate of your data. You so, are an advertising product. So that's not even the, the thing that I was claiming to be different. I guess one of the reasons I'm able to step aside and not get so much sucked into those services – basically because I can and try my best to shut down on news. So I consume my news from, you know, curated sources, which tend to have already, you know, freedom and perspective and things like this. And I still participate in the show. And on the other side, because you are collecting information for the show, you are exposed to all of the cool features and the cool things that are coming out. You have to talk about it. So you're like, all right, I did the research. I did all this stuff. Let me try it out so that I have a first-hand experience. And now you're sick, though. That is actually 
your point is pretty valid because the entire reason I went back to the Nexus platform was to try out Android N so I could have an educated opinion about the current version of Android because right. I, I, people I think often consider me a Google basher and I just I try to weigh the good and bad of every situation and I think there's things that Google does that are awful and I think there's things that Google, Google does that are actually fairly compelling. Right. And so I think N, honestly, be, if you put some of the current performance issues aside – and, and I just talked about it in uh, yesterday's Tech Talk today, is a super solid release with really great security features. And I thought, okay, well, I got my Nexus 5 back from Noah. It's time to give this a go. Absolutely. And, uh, and then that, you know, one thing led to another. And now I'm all in. Now I'm all in again. We always knew you oh. were an Android fiend at heart, Chris. You can't always take that uh, reflection moment to cut it off completely. Yeah, but I you th- have to gain the courage to actually, when you are in that momentum, to cut it off. I Not think, just to deactivate, deactivate the accounts, and delete the accounts. I think that's no the regard. problem, is I actually am feeling like maybe I'm going to continue to go all in. I think I'm starting to feel like uh, it's worth the... I guess I'm starting... To, I, I should say this differently. I'm trying to conceptualize what the absolute worst-case scenario is. Right. And then from that, I'm trying to figure out if it's worth the cost for the convenience uh, it brings me. Again, I'm a dysfunctional human being that apparently the only thing I can really reliably do is make podcasts. And yep. beyond that, I'm unfunctional. Yep. And so it's helpful. Thankfully, we have an economy where you can outsource some of these yeah, things. Yeah, it's helpful that I've outsourced part of my brain to this machine. Right. Uh, and on top of that, it's, it is good from a research standpoint, for, from a content you know, point of view. But I find myself considering going further with it and continuing to just go further down the rabbit hole. And that's, I think, what's really alarming to me. And not like I, – I, I tell you, I've tried to conceptualize the worst-case scenario. Yeah. And the way I see it is try to <clears throat> try to avoid putting directly sensitive information into the Google machine. Absolutely. However, you're always there's always going to be the slip-ups and the There's a ton of leakage realize. just because of the way all the services report back. Right. Um, but like if I had like I say I to say one day I decided to make a a dirty video right here in the studio. We take the green yep. screen and we make a nice dirty video cuz why not, right? It's what everybody jokes about when they come visit the studio. Everybody. Oh, you know what this would be great for? No. What? You should do a porn set. <laughs> Nobody's ever told you that, huh? You'd make a ton of money. You mean they don't watch JB After Dark? <laughs> so, I, you know, uh, seriously, though, like if I was going to do something like yeah. that, I wouldn't put that in my Google Drive no. or cloud whatever or up on Google Photos. But it's, I think that's where you're fooling yourself if you think you're still not leaking a ton of information exactly. to them. My worst case scenario, when I conceptualize it, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? It would seem that I could get that, – that information could be subpoenaed if down the road I, I decide to do some sort of active uh, act of, uh, of civil disobedience and uh, I, right. get, I get swung up – I get caught up by the law. They could subpoena my, my Google Fit data and see exactly where I was at at the time that big uh, dong got spray painted on the side of the building. And, and so far we've seen like you – know, we've seen like the, the Apple hacks and the celeb breaches and that kind of stuff. But like we – I don't know. Like at least publicly there hasn't been that much of like – of blackmail extortion control but eventually like these data sets in the wrong hands they you know like if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time or you did something even the wrong picture even if it's an innocuous picture you have enough of them you can find a picture that looks like someone's doing something wrong yeah it is it is it is concerning too when you i don't quite understand if google was really clear about what the policy around my data was for example Mm -hmm. like go go google how many times eric schmidt visited the white house why is Eric Schmidt going to the White House all the time? What kind of relationship is between Google and the federal government? And sh- is that something I should legitimately be concerned about? Or is right. that just conspiracy bacon? If they would just be super clear about this is the way we use your data. So you can make the trade off yourself with yeah. full knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It also brings up to me like the larger question of as tech literate people, like where do you draw the line between hosting your own stuff and outsourcing that to other services? Right. Because so it's like I have a- we, we all have those skills, but when yeah. is the right trade off? Yeah, go ahead. I have a crazy proposition. There's this project Ethereum, which is based on the blockchain concept, but Ooh, the, yeah. the mathematical, the mathematical, um, uh, pretty much function that has to be solved for the blockchain to work is actually random uh, operations, so random operation of any type of software, which essentially means that you can distribute your applications. So eventually, mm-hmm. we can get the Google compute power on all distributed machines. Yeah. It's not going to be as fast, but then you can you know, maybe you buy DigitalOcean, for example, <laughs> and you know put it running a node so that you have a little bit faster response. Now, uh, then you solve that type of scenario. I, that would, that's a pretty the blockchain. That's an interesting solution. Blockchain means you know we talk about it. Popey shows up. Popey 
you were going to make a comment about alibi. Go ahead. So, like, you're looking at it from the negative point of view that they've got all this data and, you know, you they could be correlate some data about you in a particular place at a particular time. But the flip side is that can actually work to your benefit. Sure. Like, if someone in, you know, a town near me with fitting my description, you know, looks a bit like Elvis. A good smelling uh, fellow, right? Yeah, sounds a bit like a robotic <laughs> device you've got on your desk. You know, all those kind of things, right? Then I could use Arch Linux. Uses Arch Linux. You know, all these things are dead giveaways that it could be me. <laughs> but I also happen to have maybe an Android device nearby that, that I'm using Mozilla Stumbler to report my location to help the Mozilla project. I'm using Ingress, the game, when reporting my location in that. I'm using Google Maps. I'm sending messages via Telegram, which I'm getting my IP address. So there's like 10 or more div- apps on my mm. Android device yep. that are, that are actually my alibi so when something goes wrong you know i can call on potentially those people with a request for my data and prove my innocence that i wasn't at the that's very true location where the crime occurred you are in europe you can make that request unfortunately our u.s friends don't have that uh, ability well that's the problem with you know separating away and becoming one of the separate colonies you know they should have (laughs) not done that you know i tell you the other thing that struck me too is if i'm gonna worry about google then i probably should be crapping my pants about the credit card companies and the carriers Mm -hmm. because uh they got their fingers just in there too yeah and they're doing you know super cookies where they're monitoring all of your web traffic or in the case of the uh, the credit card companies they're selling your data dead to data brokers, what you buy, where you buy it, how much you spend. All of these things are happening in, and it's a big industry around it. Huge industry. And they do not, trust me, when they when it comes to the pri- respecting privacy, not the top of their list. Nope. Yeah. And I might change my tune because right now the UK government are debating the investigatory powers bill, uh-huh. which will enforce ISPs to record for a year mm-hmm. or more mm-hmm. every website that I visit. So I'm probably going to make some changes in my life as a result of that because I'm I'm actually less worried about Google having access to all this data than I am my own government. Well, that's Here. that's actually why I worry about Google is because it seems like it's just one national security letter away. Yeah. Um, which is concerning for all services, really. That's not a Google-specific one. It's just how much information do they have. Mm-hmm. Poppy, what kind of changes? VPN? What? Would you... Um, so I can already, like... My employer already uh, provides me with a VPN, so and I could potentially enable that on every device, or I could do it system-wide on my network at home and route all my traffic through that VPN. That would help. I might consider using Tor. There are some really nice uh, Tor apps for Android, for example. We don't have any on Ubuntu phone, but I do on the desktop. So I, I'm certainly looking into these things mm-hmm. uh, if this legislation passes. I bet. I bet. Uh, before before we wrap up completely, uh, I just I thought, you know, looking back the last 10 years, this seems to me for Linux desktop users to be a big the, – the services aspect. We could move over to a free platform and then end up locked into a bunch of services. Just – not that's not something we haven't talked about, but looking back at the last decade, something that seems like a bigger problem than it's ever been right now. Yeah, really and I is. feel like I'm in the middle of it. Uh, Poby, before we go, before we wrap up, uh, I saw in the G pluses that you have one of them, their Raspberry Pi Nanos. Is that what they're called? Uh, Pi Zero. Pi Zeros, yes. right. Pi Zero. Pi Zero. Uh, well, I was thinking it'd be a fun, fun little piece of kid to get it. What have your thoughts been on it? Uh, so I have a couple of them. I have one, uh, the original Pi Zero when that first came out. Yeah, okay. And then this is the second generation Pi Zero, which has a camera connector on Ooh, the end. Right. Um, and they're, uh, they're both destined to go in small projects. They're both, they're, they're not really designed to be desktops. They're not designed to be media centers or anything like that. I'm, my, my goal is to put them inside something quite small, but I haven't. I, I have some plans and I have some things in pieces, but I haven't quite decided exactly what to put them in yet. I say robot body parts that connect back to a Mycroft head unit. Yes. <laughs> Walking around. And the only command it accepts is to watch the JB live stream. <laughs> there you go, Wes. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll probably be screeching to a halt here because uh, I got a telegram from uh, Mr. Chase Nunes a little bit ago. <gasps> yeah, he the is, Chase Nunes? Yeah, he is en route right now. Uh, it's a it's a big day here. Wow, he's only like thirty minutes away too. It's a big day here in uh, in the U.S. of A. So yes, it we, is. we're going to switch gears over to our unfiltered show here in just a moment. So before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, if you are around on Sunday, we would 
we would really love if you'd come and visit us at jblive.tv. It's been some sort of huge show. Well, we're we're gonna we're looking forward to it. I'll say I'll tell you this: it's 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 we're doing a couple of things that I've wanted to do for a really really long time, and I think they turned out pretty fun. So uh, yeah. Uh, we're doing that on Sunday, and uh, there may be a few things that are worth turning up live for at jblive.tv. You can get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Now, this show here, this show is on Tuesdays, Wes. Did you know that? Yes, I do. Yeah, Tuesdays. Tuesdays. You can join us live. You can hang That's out the in best our day. Yeah, you can hang out in our virtual lug and uh, also in our chat room. You can find that at the calendar page as well. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com is where you can go to submit topics. Like a lot of times, we'll look for open source spotlights. We go out and scour the web. Yeah, a link roundup. But uh, one if of the you things you guys that, have stuff you want to talk about. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, one of the things that helps is that uh, subreddit LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Feedback at JupiterBroadcasting.com/slash/contact. Just choose Linux Unplugged from the drop down. You can follow me on the Twitter at Chris Elias. Are you on the Twitters, Wes? Oh yeah, at Wes Payne. Who knew? All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Unplugged program, and we'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Titles.com. Oh, yeah. Let's go pick our title. Thanks, Gist. Thank you, Mumble Room. Thank you, everybody. All right. Bobby, it was nice of you to join us. Towards the, uh, towards the end there. I'm glad you made it in. Yeah, sorry I dropped in late. I, oh, I'm uh, just glad you made it. Catching up with a friend on Mumble. And, uh, good for yeah. you. That's a good thing to do. It is. I'm just, well, I was happy I made it. Uh, there we go. So, JBTitles.com. Mind on my cloud and cloud on my mind. That's pretty good. It's super long, but that's pretty good. NSA endorses Googs. You like that one there, Wes? Mm-hmm. Uh, the money and my cloud. Chris, La- Chris Lasko's Alex Jones. I don't think so. Uh, you just go, <laughs> go. You just go look it up. Just go look it up. I'm not saying. I got the documents. You haven't got. Yeah, you haven't got the croaky voice for right. Alex. I got the documents right here. <sighs> it's real. Mustaches. And you know, I think about it. When I did the recording of the voice for the Mycroft, at no point did they ask me to go. <laughs> that is worrying. <laughs> did they have you repeat mustaches in various different ways, though? Because that's that's like, that's what's important. I am the world's biggest lightweight. Yep. I oh man. So I've been I've been fighting a cold, um, but it's been like it's been one of those things where it's. Uh, Instead of getting like really, really bad on me like they used to, it's just sort of been real mild now for about two, sure. three weeks. I've been working crazy hours, so I think maybe I just haven't really had time to, to uh, heal necessarily. So yesterday I started to suspect, well, maybe it's allergies. So mm-hmm. right before we started Tech Talk today, Angela's like, take this Zyrtec. And I'm like, this is non-drowsy, right? And she's like, yeah, it's absolutely non-drowsy, which I believe. I take it. Two hours later, I'm asleep. I, I could not. <laughs> I was out. So then I woke up after a few hours, still felt sick. I'm like, oh, oh God. I don't, I don't feel good. And now I'm not tired because I slept. Right. So uh, my lady's like, here, take some NyQuil. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's a great idea. And I'm like, this has got a decongestion in it, right? Because I would love to be able to breathe through my nose. Yes. She's like, yes, it does. Um, so I take the NyQuil, down the NyQuil. Uh, I don't get particularly sleepy at nighttime, although I did sleep solid all night long, but today I have not been able to shake that like it's drowsy, worthless. slow. Oh, I have like a nightquill hangover. To have each little thought, and yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And like I'm reading, like it's not supposed to last like this long. Why does it? Why does it? Why does that happen to me? So I tried going out, going for a walk, mm-hmm. got some sunshine, took a cold shower, yep. tried to take a nap while I couldn't fall asleep. Did all those things, still barely, barely made a difference. So it's good to have caffeine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably, you know, I'll probably pass out during Unfiltered tonight. That's fine. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>